Mental health, social justice, and economic mobility. Tonight, these are the issues that matter most to young New Yorkers. Meet the Youth Coalition taking the fight and their vision straight to City Hall as Metro Focus starts right now. This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by Sue and Edgar Wackenheim III, Philemon M. D'Agostino Foundation, the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold. Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, Estate of Roland Carlin, the JPB Foundation. Good evening and welcome to Metro Focus. I'm Jack Ford. Politicians often pay lip service to the idea that young people represent the future of our country, our towns, our cities, but it's rare that young people are actually asked for their thoughts about the policies that will determine what that future will look like. Questions like, what issues are most important to you and how should taxpayer money be spent to address those issues? A coalition of students in New York is looking to change all that and make sure that young people do indeed have a seat at the table. The coalition is comprised of high school and college age leaders and activists. And for the past several years, they've surveyed thousands of young people across the five boroughs about their concerns and their priorities for the city. Using that data, the students put together what they're calling the NYC Youth Agenda, a set of policy proposals that they're presented directly to city leaders, including the mayor and the city council. The agenda outlines a number of recommendations to allocate funding in five key areas. We're happy to have joining us to talk about all of this, those areas and the proposals to address them as part of our ongoing Chasing the Dream initiative on jobs, justice, and economic opportunity in America. Three members of the Youth Agenda Steering Committee, they are Edward Sanchez, Isada Diallo, and Jolena Jimenez. Also with us is Dr. Sarah Zeller-Berkman. She's the director of the Youth Studies Program and the Intergenerational Change Initiative at the CUNY School of Professional Studies, one of the primary organizers of the NYC Youth Agenda Coalition. Welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. This is wonderful work that you've all been doing, and it is indeed work. We've seen how in deeply invested you all are on this. To set the stage for this, let me ask the, the three of you, the students, just to give us a quick bio. Tell us, tell us where you're in school, what level, and why you wanted to be involved in all of this. Jolena, you go first. Great. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, my name is Jolena Jimenez. I am a senior drama major at the Frank Sinatra School of the Arts in Astoria, and I joined this work because I was always passionate about social justice and civics. But through this work, I really gained a special appreciation for the city of New York. And I discovered that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And Edward, how about you? For me, well, first, I go to uh, Baruch College, currently a sophomore uh, and a poli-sci major. And reason why I got into this was really because I want to give back to the community. I want to give back to the city that I grew up in, born and raised in Brooklyn. And really, when I started working with uh, CCC, which was my first organization that I work with, 
I got to learn a lot of issues that the city has and maybe a bit sad, but I learned how to advocate and I was like, I could do this and I could make the city a bit better. So from there on, I really learned how to work with others and bring people onto the table and really get things done. So really excited and, to be and learning how to advocate is an essential tool for anybody, as I'm sure you're all learning here. Isada, um, how about you, your background? Uh, my name is Isada. Thank you for having us. I go to James Madison High School where I'm a junior. Uh, what's made me very passionate about being about youth advocacy is the fact that I get to be a part of something bigger than myself and hopefully invoke change in New York City for generations to come. And Sarah, to you then, all right, as, as sort of the um, umbrella question here, your involvement, CUNY's involvement, how this project got created. Great. So um, I am the director of youth studies programs at CUNY School of Professional Studies. Um, and we have a, um, a, a socially engaged research lab where young people um, are part of creating research about the issues that impact their lives. Um, and so about three years ago, we launched what's called the Youth Ask Youth Census. Um, it's a survey that was created by and for young people to ask questions related to learning, health and relationships, economics and community. Um, and so we um, brought the data to a coalition of, of, of people that are all doing advocacy in partnership with young people. So our partners in this are YVOTE, Citizens Committee for Children of New York, um, and the Department of Youth and Community Development. And so about three years ago, we used youth-generated data to come up with recommendations. And we created our first NYC youth agenda. And then we came together um, last year as we had a change administration and the young people from our different organizations worked for months um, to involve other young people around the city and also to base it on data that's from thousands of young people around New York City to come up with the NYC Youth Agenda. And this year, again, um, we have our youth agenda and we have presented it um, to policymakers at our annual policy breakfast. Let me ask the, the three of the students here about the, the questions that they're being posed to other young people. And uh, again, Jolena, you first, if you would. And, and then I said, Edward, you all jump in. Uh, how do you put those questions together? And what are you hoping to get in a general sense here? What are you hoping to get in response to them? Jolena, you first, if you would. I'm sorry, could you clarify about what you mean by questions? Sure. Uh, we people? talked about the, the questions that are posed, youth asking youth. And what I'm wondering is, how, how do you decide what types of questions are you asking and what are you hoping to get from them in the, these, the, the opinions of others of your age? Of course. So I actually worked with the Intergenerational Change Initiative, which is primarily um, the sector of our coalition that does a lot of our data collection along with Citizens Committee for Children. Vote, where I work with primarily, does less of that. But essentially what we were thinking of when working through what questions to ask and then analyzing those questions are just thinking of all of the things that involve, I would say, quality of life, you mm -hmm. know, whether that be the jobs that students have access to or lack thereof, 
their family's financial status, family support, how they are in school, what food they have access to, and their mental health as all those things impact that. You know, it's we tried to be all encompassing, I would like to say. We tried to ask as many questions as possible. The the census is a little bit long, I would say. The, there's a lot of questions. Um, we both used quantitative and qualitative data. Um, the qualitative questions um, are answered probably a little less frequently, but we do appreciate when people do answer the long response questions because we were really trying to get as in-depth of an understanding of each participant's experience as possible so that when we were forming our recommendations and we were analyzing the data, we truly understood what was important to NYC youth because we didn't know before this. Of course, we're mm -hmm. a group of New York City youth and we can have as much of an understanding as we do about the varied experiences of being a young person in New York City, but we knew that there was a lot of gaps missing. So we just tried to get as broad of an understanding as possible before we formulated our recommendations. Let me ask about some of the, the, the categories, the five essential categories that we're talking about. And I said, I'll come to you first on this. One of them is the idea of economic mobility. And I understand that it's something that you had a particular um, interest in, not that the others are not interested in, uh, but something that you were truly invested in. Tell me, in terms of, of the results that came out of that and some of the thoughts then that were formulated about moving forward to deal with issues of economic mobility. So based on a lot of the a lot of the recommendations that we had last year and the way and the and at our new at our most recent event, mm -hmm. we had a where where we moved the needle from last from the year of 2020. And we got some movement in economic mobility. We got, I think about 10 out of 14 economic mobility, 10 out of four of our recommendations in economic mobility. And from there we were able to kind of, with that movement, we were able to, you know, push forth what, what more we wanted. For example, SYEP, this would be like our second year having that as one of our recommendations. We really wanted to build upon what the mayor had the goal for himself, which was to have about 100,000 young people be accepted into SYEP. And based off of our survey, we found that, that there were students who weren't a part of SYEP who didn't have the opportunity. And so we, one of our recommendations was to build on the mayor's historic investment in SYEP and move towards a more universal one. So by adding about 56,000 more slots, eliminating wait lists and ensuring that undocumented youth can get jobs and making sure that there's financial literacy and development, which is a, a part of the experience. Yeah. But Asaya, just so everybody knows what we're talking about, when you say SYAP, um, what does that mean? I, I know. Sorry, I'll, I'll you jump in because I'm not remembering it, it, it either. Oh, summer youth employment. Okay. And you said, yes, SYEP. Okay. Said yeah. So, so some of you, and you said, and that's one of the things you found. Uh, I cited that the needle had been moving from your past recommendations. Yes. Yeah, it had moved, but there's still more that could have been done by adding more jobs to eliminate the wait list for this, the young people who weren't able to get jobs. Okay. One of the other ones, and we could talk a lot about each of these, obviously, but I want to make sure we try and touch on on as many as we can. One of the other is is education equity 
and and Jolena and Edward, I'm going to bring you both into that if we could, and and talk about it. Edward, you first, if you would talk a little bit about again the findings here, because I think that's important to to, to tell us what were the what were the young people saying they thought needed to be done, and then was that being accomplished in any way, shape, or form, Edward? I will say a lot, a lot of youth really did report a lot of things that were lacking. Um, For example, right, uh, in terms of education equity, I'm going to mention sex ed, right? Mm -hmm. And that 61% more of the yay respondents, they reported learning sex from the internet than from sexual education in school, which are Mm -hmm. 54%. That's a majority, that's more than the majority, not learning a critical aspect of human life not in our schools and schools are meant to teach us right and we're supposed to be able to get that education but more than a majority we're not reporting that on top of that 33 percent of young people identify not having access to clean drinking water while in school or soap in bathrooms and 30 percent say that their school has rodents or pests which is i i i don't i don't like looking at rats cockroaches never and being at school, you're supposed to learn, not be right. out. Supposed, right? supposed to be a theoretically a safe place. I, I was struck by those numbers as you were, um, and, and in terms of uh, what the the numbers of people saying that in what is supposed to be their safe learning environment. Um, Jolene, how about you? In terms of talking again to get education equity here, things that you felt were significant, important, need to be addressed. Yeah. So the things that Edward brought up, I feel are very much so like bare bones things that students need to be taught in school as individuals who are existing in the world. And knowing that schools are not taking care of students' basic needs when it comes to like cleanliness of the building or even like navigating their own bodies and like sharing spaces with other people, we can only assume that schools are also not handling properly the things that may be perceived as secondary to those things, for example, what comes to mind for me are like leadership opportunities. For example, we found that I um, it was 18% of young people said they've had a leadership role in school, which is to me way too low of a number. And mm. that is because almost double the amount of youth said that they were looking at some point for leadership positions. So I know you mentioned before that it's very rare that youth such as us are taking leadership positions in our cities or even in our schools. And that's not for lack of trying. That's not for lack of interest. Our data shows that youth want to be involved. And the problem is that we are so often barred from having those opportunities. And that really comes into play when we see stats that Edward brought up about us not having all-encompassing, equitable, sexual health education or things like that because people are not listening to students and what we want. Yeah. Sarah, let me come back to you for a second. And Edward, I want to get to you about another category. But um, Jolena mentions this this notion of uh, students want to get involved in this. And I wonder if there's a misperception out there amongst the 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 older folks that that this is an area where students really are not looking to jump in and, and to to lend their voices. What are you finding? And were you surprised at the, the high percentage of students who are saying, yeah, we want to be involved in this? You know, 
I'm not surprised because I consider myself an adult ally and I've been privileged to work with amazing young people over many, many years on, you know, really kind of the biggest issues and, and young people are always willing to tackle this with their, their whole selves. Um, um, so I, you know, I think we've all been trying to push our city to be a city that capitalizes on young people's strengths and capabilities and really acknowledges their expertise about their own lives. And, you know, we're pushing to have a city that has more intergenerational policymaking. Young people are the most impacted by youth policies. They should be at the table um, when those policies are being created. And, you know, we all, we also know that it's not just about having a policy, but how is it getting implemented? And yeah. the only way that we're going to know, you know, is if young people are there saying, you know, I'm not feeling this yet. Like, yeah. And I want to get to that with you yeah. in, sort of as our wrap up to talk about is, you know, the question, is somebody paying attention to this? Yeah. Are things being done? Exactly. As a, um, I, I'll get to that. Edward, one of the things I want to focus with you about, and it's another one of the categories, and that's youth mental health, right? Talk a little bit about some of the findings there and some of the things that you all are agreeing we need to be doing better. Another important part of the youth agenda. And so the New York City youth who took the annual gay census in 2022 report that they felt stressed, that was 59% of them, anxious, 53% of them, nervous, 49% of them, and tired, 46% of them in the last month, in the last three months. That is a majority feeling just anxious, stress, and like all these things that really hurt and impact the way that a child is growing up in the city to learn, to go to school, to just live. And so the percentages of youth who did not have access to mental health resources when they needed it, such as therapy, medications, all these ranged around from 30 to 40%, and, and including counseling, someone to talk to, support groups, these were also around 25%. That's one fourth and more than one third when it comes down to needing therapy. The students need help. The students need, well, not students, my bad, the youth, the youth of New York City, they need the help and they're needing and they're asking for it and they're not getting it. A third, more than a third are begging for it. And on the top of that, while part of mental health, that our recommendation is really to prioritize the expansion of free and accessible healthcare for youth and to emphasize the holistic wellness and school-based care uh, school-based care for all. And so we're just asking to really expand on the existing programs that there is to really increase on school counselors, social workers that really the students need and they're asking for it. And and as alarming and startling as those numbers are, uh, you might assume that there are a lot more people out there who just haven't responded positively to all of this. Um, and and uh, Sarah, how about that? Uh, these numbers are, I think, startling is a good word. Shocking might be a better word for some of these things that we, we are hearing now. Um, are those these, these shocking numbers getting effectively communicated to the policymakers? And if not, what do we have to do to make that happen? You know, I think that we have had success in the past two years at getting some of the right people to listen to us. Um, so, you know, for example, this year we had um, the, our public advocate, Jamani Williams. We had the controller Landers there. We had our Manhattan Borough president, various council members. Um, last year, you know, we had 
our chancellor of the city schools there and kind of we had follow up meetings uh, and people were really engaging with our young people. But I think this year we wanted to look at what was actually happening. So we created an accountable to youth report. So we looked at our recommendations last year and then we looked at government response to each of those recommendations and did an analysis and said, you know, where did we move the needle? And where do we have to push further? And I think it helped us to get clearer in our asks to say, look, we got some movement on this, as my colleague Asata mentioned, you know, we got some movement on SYP and we got to 100,000 slots. Um, we need to go further. Um, and so I think I think it's moving. I think there's openness. And I thank you for helping to have us spread the word and get even more kind of policymakers to really partner with young people in different ways. Yeah. Let me get back to one area. I thought I'll come to you about this. And we, we touched base on it a, a little bit, uh, the notion of, of social justice. Um, I thought I'd talk a little bit of, about what that and what you were seeing in terms of results. And again, what we need to be doing here to move the needle. Well, to move the needle more in any category is definitely for politicians to start listening to young people and understanding that the world that in the next 20 years we will be in, we will have leadership positions and we will like inherit the world. And it's important that we have a voice and a seat at the table and understanding what needs to be done. It's one step, but also especially just giving more opportunities to young people to make changes, more opportunities for like undocumented youth to get jobs, for there to be financial literacy programs in schools um, and more youth around employment and listen, just overall listening to what young people want is one of the first steps that can be taken for the needle to move even further in the future. Yeah, that's one. Of the, that's a great point. People need to listen to other people um, for that all to happen. Sarah, what's the the future of this project, the youth project, the youth agenda? Do you think? You know, we are going to do this annually. We want to make this just not a one off. It's like how we want our city to run. We want it to be the uh, the city that it takes young people's leadership seriously. Um, and so every year we're going to do the. The Youth Ask Youth Census um, everywhere year, we're going to use it to be the basis of our recommendation generation um, for the NYC um, youth agenda. And every year we're going to look at what happened in relation to our recommendations and what didn't and hold our politicians accountable to young people. Galena, what would you say, and, and if you had the opportunity to sit down and in, in front of the policymakers, and I know some of them have, have attended last year and this year, but if you had the chance to have some real serious one-on-one -on -one time with, with a policymaker who says, I want to hear from you, I, I want to get involved in change, what are the couple of most important things that I can do to help? What would you tell them, Jolene? I would definitely say that having direct communication with youth and allowing youth to make a direct impact is probably the most important thing. A lot of sectors in the youth agenda involve creating direct youth impact within different sectors of our city, whether that be like um, fair student funding and education or in terms of mental health, having like a committee 
that is centered with direct student voice on how to deal with mental health in schools and broader. I think that a lot of people may be willing to listen to youth, but are not trying to implement youth into the processes of how our city runs. And I think that's what's missing because you can listen to youth all you want, but as much as you may like it, you you are never going to be a young person again. So I not think again. it's important. It's been a long time have, since, yeah, since, since again, I've been a young person, absolutely. but you all reassuring, <laughs> trust me. But Thank you. Yeah. Um, Sarah, I'll give you the last question here. I think we, we may well have lost Edward. I know he's in school. He, he might have had to jump off and get into a class, which is good for him. Uh, but I, I've got about two minutes or so left. And, and it's kind of a two-part question. You touched on it before, which is, are the people who need to be paying attention to all of you actually paying attention to you? And how can we ensure some kind of accountability in terms of change taking place? Yeah, so I have to say, you know, we we do have a lot of openness from our politicians. Um, and in addition to coming to this one wonderful event, we have a lot of follow-up meetings that are scheduled. Um, and I think that, you know, the 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 way that we'll push in this year is to say we don't want just youth voice, but we actually want you to listen and we want action. And we've gotten very specific in our um, recommendations. We've not only recommended what we want, but we've rec made recommendations about how to make that happen. And I think that we really want to um, problem solve and not just even have a meeting after this, but have a meeting about it, get into the nitty gritty of what this would look like. Where's the budget for this? Um, you know, and I think that you know, the politicians are open to it. And I think just, you know, we have to push a little bit more about a, a level of engagement that's beyond coming to one event. Right. And we will. Right. Thank right. you. Well, here's what I can what I can tell you is that it's certainly reassuring to know that we have students such as the three of you, Isada, Jolena, Edward, who we lost back to a class, which is where he belongs right now, and that you all have teachers such as Sarah to help guide you in this journey. And it's reassuring to know that sometime soon you'll be the ones making decisions. And we can, I think, feel pretty comfortable that you'll be making the right decisions. So I want to thank you all for spending some time, for joining us, sharing us, uh, sharing your thoughts with us. And we look forward to getting you back again in the future and talk some more about this. Thank you all. You all be well now. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to MetroFocus. You can take our award-winning program with you wherever you go with MetroFocus, the podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Or simply ask your smart speaker to play MetroFocus, the podcast. Also available at MetroFocus.org, WLIW.org slash radio, and on the NPR One app.